What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Podmosh. So, you know, Podmosh, it's a variety of different things. Um, I thought about niching down or niching down into one specific niche. Niche? <laughs> Can't say that word. Um, but I'm too interested in too many different things to narrow down to one thing. So, the next few chapters or the next few episodes are going to be chapters of my book called Dimensions. This is book one. And we'll see how it goes. I just like creating content. And this is one of those things as a kind of a new author that I want to do. It's just something fun for me and uh, we'll kind of see how it goes. So what is Dimensions? What is this series going to be about? The very first book is really just an overview, kind of a, uh, a prologue of this story. It's kind of short, around 39,000 words. A uh, typical novel ranges between 60,000 words and 100,000 words. Uh, so this is called a novella, I believe is what it's called, whenever it's a short novel. But the very first book is just setting up a bunch of different avenues for this series to go. And so what is this book about? Let me read you the back of my book. Dallas officer Roman Bridge, accused of a horrific crime, flees an elite order of being bent on using them for their endeavors of control. Unbeknownst to Roman, his DNA contains something that has been groomed through centuries of epigenetics, manipulated by the order itself to culminate within Roman. However, leveraged through a manipulated strain of prions disease, Roman is left with few choices. Follow alongside as he... Roman, discovers new abilities, realities, and dimensions that allow him to access something, something new, exciting, yet terrifying. So quick disclaimer, there is some cussing, but it is just kind of setting up his character. He's, you know, he's a Dallas cop. Um, he sees a lot of things and some of that intensity is just uh, through his language. So if you want to support these endeavors that I'm doing, like my book and maybe a book series. We'll see how the, the rest of this goes. Go buy it. It's on Amazon really cheap. Uh, you can buy it on Kindle for, I believe, $2.99, the Kindle Amazon uh, ebook edition. And the paperback is, I think, $6.99. So check it out. And without further ado, here's chapter one. Shots fired! Shots fired! In pursuit of a white male running east on Beverly, screamed Officer Roman Bridge to dispatch. Unit 12, dispatch received. All units code 33. We have a 1032. All available units respond to shots fired at the corner of Beverly and Walnut. Suspect is a male running east on Beverly heading towards Walnut. Armed and dangerous. Unit 12, do you copy? Dispatch Unit 12 received. Be advised, suspect just dipped into the warehouse at Walnut and Beverly. I lost sight. The sight of death flashed across Roman's mind for a split second. Slowing his pace, Roman peered around the corner to the massive abandoned warehouse. The smell of rust and burnt wood infiltrated his nostrils as he remembered the reason behind the familiar aroma. This warehouse burnt down to the ground nearly eight months ago, still carrying with it the mystery of its demise. All investigations into the fire remain unanswered, as do the twelve bodies that remain hidden in the ashes. Stop. Think, Roman. Get your mind on the issue. Yet again, another mind battle raged as he attempted to slow his heartbeat that covered up all other senses. The sounds of battle drums matching his heart blared through his body as he approached the warehouse. At roughly two o'clock in the morning, Roman only heard static across his radio. Was anyone going to come for backup? 
Standing at roughly six feet tall and weighing about 240 pounds, Roman was no stranger to difficult situations and taking down the bad guys. Dispatch Unit 12, you there? Static. No reply. How can there be static and no communications in the middle of the city? This doesn't make sense, but I'll lose my suspect if I don't follow. Peering down the sights of his 9mm, Officer Roman Bridge cautiously entered the warehouse, now entering the fight of and for his life. Did he go in? Yes, Mr. Holt. Is everything in place? At this point, sir, we would be the epitome of incompetence if it wasn't set up perfectly, especially with all the time we have had to prepare. I agree. Show me where he is, Alan. The two men scanned the 20 different monitors placed throughout the warehouse where Officer Roman Bridge was chasing his suspect. One of them, Alan Black, an associate of Mr. Holt, clicked at the buttons on his computer inside the dark office space miles from the city and miles from Officer Bridge. With the history and counterintelligence, Alan knew how to get places no one else could. He was a master at problem solving. There he is, sir, Alan said, as he pushed his glasses up upon his face, pointing to monitor three. The monitor showed Officer Bridge entering the warehouse at the northwest corner, alone. Still trying to reach anyone on the radio, Roman appeared hesitant. It seems our communication jammer worked, stated Holt. How are we doing on rerouting the other responding units? Well, only one unit remained available because of how short-staffed Dallas PD is. That unit is five miles away, but I am about to drop another call closer to his location so that he will have to respond. With another few clicks on his laptop, Allen placed an officer down call 0.2 miles away from the only responding unit, leaving Roman alone. Since we have his recorded voice, I am going to clear the call he is on using his voice, and since he is about to be off shift, they shouldn't miss him on, on other calls, allowing us roughly 22 minutes, said Allen. We only need 21, replied Holt. With a nod, Allen continued with the call. Dispatch, Unit 12, suspect in custody. Unit 12, dispatch received, cleared for ops when ready. Unit 12 received, have a good night. Allen gleefully smiled causing his cheek fat to bunch up around his cheekbones, amused at how easy it was to make an officer disappear. Alan, pay attention, please, shouted Holt. I don't need your inattention to cause both of us to go down. Resettling, Alan and Holt watched as their plan began to unfold. Step by step, Roman inched forward through the opening of the warehouse. Not a sound emerged through the thick and tarry night. Sirens were no more. It almost felt as if the whole city finally calmed and silently fell asleep all at once. Each room Roman called out his identity as a police officer, knowing full well what it meant to give away his position, knowing full well he could be down and dead before another thought ever crossed his tink tink. The whiz of two bullets silenced by its detachment whirled by his head, smacking into the concrete wall behind him, sending a cloud of dust into the air. Roman slammed to the ground and rolled into the nearby room away from the dark hallway, crouching around the corner not knowing where to point his own weapon. Police, Roman shouted. Tink, tink, tink. Three more bullets in rapid succession smacked into the concrete wall surrounding his head, all nearly in a perfect circle. One bullet to his left ear, one bullet above his skull, and one bullet to the right of his ear. Roman twirled around towards the sounds of the silenced bullets only to find empty shadows. He screamed into his radio, Shots fired! Shots fired! Anyone! Static. Laying on the ground in the prone position, Roman crouched ready for his sprint out the way he came. Foomph! A twinge of terror raced through the police officer as he realized one of the silenced projectiles tore through his right shoulder. The adrenaline covered much of the initial pain, but it soon set in. Officer down! 
Roman frantically yelled into the radio, voice quivering. Just then a voice pierced the darkness, unrecognizable. They can't hear you, my dear. No one can. But I am here, here to help you. Do you understand? Terror. Sheer terror leapt through Roman's body as he finally realized that this was somehow a setup. They know me. They know my name. Who the fuck are you? Agony set in. Now, Roman, that is not a very nice thing to say. Roman peered around the corner of his blood-pooled position to see a massive room, dimly lit by a single light bulb hanging from a 20-foot ceiling. Directly underneath the light stood a lady, attractive, wearing a stark white pencil skirt and blouse. Her hands lay folded just below her waist. Her blonde hair, straight, rested upon her left shoulder. Eye contact. A sly smile. She pointed to the brown chair beside her. Please come here, Roman, she said in a voice befitting a sultry princess. Now why would I do that? Because now you are curious. Roman, still laying prone, raised his good arm to take a couple more shots at the new perp, not realizing who stood behind him. Crack! Everything quickly began to fade. Fade to black. Roman was gone to the world with his final thought of his wife, Isabella. Hey, Philip, have you seen my report on hormone therapy and stress? Isabella, why are you always blaming me for misplacing your things? Oh, maybe it's because you are easy to blame, replied Isabella jokingly. You know, for being a neuroscientist, you sure are dumb sometimes, Philip said. For being a sociologist, you sure don't know how know people very well. You'd think by knowing and organizing people groups in research, you could keep yourself organized, jabbed Isabella. On the contrary, it is that very reason that I need disorganization. It helps me think. Isabella chuckled and searched everywhere to no avail. Found it, exclaimed Philip. It was under my desk chair, he sheepishly told her, barely making eye contact. Of course it would. We have got to stop sharing an office. I hate budget cuts. What's so special about this report anyways? Isabella sat down and replied, This research could be the future of curing chronic diseases. The basics is rooted in stress and how it affects us on a cellular level. You look into that coupled with how the brain controls it all, then you have a cure. It seems a little too simple, don't you think? That is exactly why it works. In medicine, we always complicate things whenever the real solution has always been there right in front of our very eyes. Not only that, but our entire society is built upon the foundation of creating problems so that they can also provide the solutions. It's a money scheme. You look doubtful, Isabella said as she glanced at Philip. You lost me at they. Who's they? Is it the Illuminati, Freemasons? You know, I don't, I don't do well with conspiracies. I don't do well with conspiracies either. However, look at health as a big picture for just a minute. America is the fastest paced society in the world. We need immediate gratification and stimulation. We're all about being the fastest in everything. Our body isn't built for that over longer periods of time. All of this leads to massive amounts of stress. Think about it. When we get super stressed, as you know, cortisol is released in the brain to stimulate our adrenal glands to release the fight or flight response. This is meant to get us past an immediate situation, whatever that may be. However, most people today are constantly being bombarded by stress and excessive cortisol levels. This hormone over the long term is extremely toxic to our bodies. When we take it another level deeper, we can look at the telomeres of cell replication. Following? Philip rubbed his head and replied, barely, but keep going. Telomeres are the caps on cells needed before they can replicate even more. Without telomeres, we have cellular death. Cellular regeneration is what keeps us looking young. 
To have cellular regeneration, you have to have cell caps, the telomeres. To have these, you have to have the enzyme called telomerase. Cortisol inhibits the production of telomerase and is excessively released due to stress. Essentially, stress causes cellular death. Older people don't make as much telomerase, which causes the skin to wrinkle and hair to gray. This is also why people who have been in extremely stressful jobs look like they've aged far beyond what they truly are. Without cellular regeneration, everything goes south. We are more prone to disease because our immune system can't fight it. Our risk for everything goes up substantially, all because we don't realize the effects of chronic stress. Chronic disease, acute pathogens, mental illness are all results of chronic stress. What's hilarious, too, is that processed foods also inhibits the production of telomerase. <laughs> Sounds pretty conspiracy to me. Okay, you might be onto something, Philip stated. Now, what if someone figured out a way to tap into the cellular, cellular regeneration properties by hacking into a person's DNA by allowing telomerase to be produced in a massive way, Isabella said with a gleam in her eye. Then they would probably be stress-free, Philip laughed, throwing his hands up in the air. Now take it further, she said. What if someone found a threshold aided by a modified medicine where telomerase actually was the key to life itself? Imagine cells replicating in such a way that as soon as something went haywire in the body, the old would be thrown out and the new would be replaced within nanoseconds. Philip, it's essentially the fountain of youth. Philip sat down, astonished at the gravity of what she said. Isabella, you can't tell anyone about this. If you discovered what you say you might have discovered, you need to protect this. People would want to pay and do big things to get what you are saying you have. I know. I'm not there yet, but I'm close. I still need to consult with a couple of professors here at the university. I can't get thrown out like I did the last time she chuckled. Hey, I've wanted to be a sociology professor here at the University of Texas Arlington for as long as I can remember and have made many connections and friends over the years. You won't get thrown out, he said. All right, I'm going to have to hold you to that promise, he replied. Sheesh, what hit me? Slowly, Roman began to awake from his blackened night to the smell of ammonia being thrust up his nose. Suddenly, he awoke, awoke to distant sounds of his name being called, awoke to a shattering headache caused by who knows what. Gradually, he realized he was sitting in the wooden chair underneath the light he saw from around the corner just moments ago. The pain in his shoulder vanished, but blood still oozed from the makeshift bandage someone placed there. Good morning, beautiful. How are we doing? Roman looked up through squinted eyes to see the attractive lady in white. This is the one who knew him, knew his name, set the trap. What do you want? Roman questioned. You? Me? Yes, you. There is something special about you. Something that is wanted. Though your attractive build hasn't gone unnoticed by my eyes, others want you for something different. You've been chosen. What the hell does that even mean? I'm just a B-cop. I'm a nobody. Oh, but you are somebody. Somebody that we want to work with, replied the lady in white. We? Now you're sounding crazy. Either kill me or tell me what the fuck is going on, replied Roman, obviously getting angrier and angrier. My name is Sarah, and I work for certain people. We have ways that are unlike most to sway and create major moves within the world. You've been chosen for something special. These people came to me for certain skills I possess. Now they want you for certain DNA traits that you possess. Have you noticed that your arm, which was shot, is not hurting any longer? It is probably almost fully healed by now. Roman sat there, unmoved. All we want is your willingness to help. 
It does not cost you anything but a choice to make. The question is, will you? You know, this is honestly all kind of funny when we think about it. Crazy woman sets trap by for cop because some organization wants my DNA through my blood. <laughs> Might as well be in a movie. I mean, can you get any more predictable? There's probably some head honcho that is listening into everything, right? Bottom line, I'd rather die laughing my ass off than jump through your hoops. Oh, Roman, sweetheart. I want you to try something for me. Sarah smiled with a slight tilt of her head. Her blue eyes pierced through all the macho Roman had left, rising to the surface the inability of her containing a soul. The motionless officer caught movement to his back left shoulder and watched as two men came from the shadows. One carried a syringe full of liquid, the other a straitjacket.